It's time to stand up and make a difference. This is not a Republican versus Democrat issue. You know what my father said, you can do anything you want as long as you're willing to pay the consequences. You guys are fantastic. I have the absolute best listeners going. It's time, don't you think? Don't you think it's way past time for them to start doing what they should be doing? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't care if we're talking about the state house or we're talking about the dog catcher. Right is right and wrong is, well, what they're doing. Let's let them tell me that. They don't want to see me coming into a meeting and asking that same question. You get educated, you get registered, and you get out to vote. Or you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Simply put, the goal is to better government through citizen involvement. Do they not understand here the cover-up is worse than the crime? The cover-up is always worse than the crime. I guess it's true what they say. Perception truly is reality. Boy, this is a whole different thing. And now, Perception is Reality with your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Well, that's right, folks. Welcome to this 128th episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. We have an amazing show planned for you. In just a few moments, we're going to be talking to Donald Rainwater, the former libertarian candidate that was running for governor of the state of Indiana. He, of course, lost his bid last week, and we'll be talking to him about the election night, the returns, what he kind of thinks went on there. We'll be talking to him about different political issues throughout the state of Indiana that he might take a little bit of issue with. And then, of course, we'll be talking to him about the future. So you won't want to miss that. And honestly, I don't think anyone you know will want to miss it. So, as always, don't forget to share the show with everyone you know. Remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. All they have to do is look for the name Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, and there we will be. But the easiest way to find us is to simply Google Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318 or Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. There, I release a live video episode seven days a week, Certified Freak, at 8.35 p.m. You won't want to miss it. Please, please check that out as well. All right, folks. So, I'm recording this episode on Tuesday, November 10th, 2020. It's the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Happy birthday. And you'll probably be listening to this on Wednesday the 11th or after. If you are listening to this on Wednesday the 11th, I want to say Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. And please, please, all of you listeners who were not in the military, like I wasn't in the military, thank a veteran today. Honestly, seriously, thank several of them. Because without them, you know, I just really don't know. Um, So... Besides that, we were still kind of in a very weird spot with the election, okay? So the election was a week ago. 
on the local level and at the state level, especially really here in the state of Indiana, nothing changed. I mean, come January 1st, nothing really big is going to be going on because everybody who was running for re-election at the local level and at the state level basically won. So, whoop-de-doo. The big story is the national-level races, the House, the Senate, and, of course, the presidency. We don't know who the winner is uh, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Of course, the media and most Democrats are calling Biden the projected winner. Uh, Of course, there has to go through a whole process of all 50 states certifying their election results. And then in December, the Electoral College would meet and they cast their Electoral College votes. And then the Congress of the United States of America certifies the election in January. But before we get to all of that, of course, as we all knew would happen, we're going to have a lot of mudslinging, finger-pointing, probably name-calling, and most importantly, out of all of that, legal battles. There are going to be court cases, there are going to be claims made, and then there will either be evidence that back up those claims, or there will not be evidence. And if there is no evidence, then Joe Biden will be the President of the United States of America. But if there is evidence, well, then that calls a lot into question, and who will really know what will happen at that point? Here's what I have to say. As an American, as someone who has common sense, and as someone who values our Constitution, who values our way of life, and and who believes in our institutions, I have to say... If this election was fair and there were no issues, no tampering, no conspiracies to commit fraud, then whoever wins, wins, and that's it. But if there is something hinky going on here, then I expect that we fully investigate it and we fully get to the bottom of it And I believe there should be hell to pay for anyone involved with all of that. I do want to say, as we progress through the next couple days, weeks, and probably months, as the court cases pick up and as evidence comes forward, or as it doesn't come forward, I will be covering more of that, and we'll be talking about more of that here, so you'll be able to get your information here as well. I just wanted to let you know that. Now, getting back to the state level for a while, because as of right now, we're kind of in a stalemate with what's going on nationally. As I said, at the local levels, nothing really changed, blah, 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 blah. At the state level, well, nothing really changed, blah, 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 blah. Governor Eric Holcomb won re-election, He beat his Democratic challenger, Dr. Woody Myers, and he beat the Libertarian challenger, Donald Rainwater. However, I want to set this up by saying Donald Rainwater did a hell of a job. In the state of Indiana, in the 2020 
gubernatorial election, there were a grand total of 1,432,989 votes cast. Holcomb won with 58.2% of the vote. Woody Myers ended up with 29.6% of the vote. And Donald Rainwater wound up with a whopping 12.2% of that vote. Now, I understand there's going to be some of you who don't know a whole lot about the political systems and don't really know how it works. It's going to say, wait a minute, 12%, that's nothing. That's third place. He lost. That's horrible. And I'm going to say, no, that's fantastic. That's a lot better than most other third-party libertarian candidates all over the United States. And, and if you look back to the 2016 governor's race, the libertarian candidate then lost with 3.2% of the vote. So let's be very clear. Donald Rainwater, his team, and then his support, all of you and all other Hoosiers around the state of Indiana that supported him, really moved the chains forward on this one. I'm telling you, folks, Holcomb was scared. Dr. Woody Myers didn't know what to make of it. The Republican Party and the Democrat Party, they were all scared. They didn't know what was going on. And for the first time in probably ever, a third-party libertarian candidate really rattled the Republican and Democrat institutions that make up the parties here in the state of Indiana. And I think that is a beautiful thing. Matter of fact, when I was standing in the Randolph County Clerk's Office watching results come in for Randolph County, and I received the vote totals, and I saw where Holcomb had won re-election as far as Randolph County was concerned, and then I started getting totals from everywhere else, and then it was called, basically, and I saw what the result was, I was kind of bummed. Obviously, I was bummed because he didn't win, but I was bummed because I thought, man, there is so much momentum going on right now, and I hate that that's just going to come to an end. But, boy, was I wrong, because it's not coming to an end Man, a couple days went by, and Rainwater was on his social media accounts, making statements, making videos, doing a couple different things. I saw people from his team that were posting different things. And moreover, I saw the folks that are just everyday supporters who were involved in the Facebook groups that were commenting and saying different things, and I could tell... Buddy, this party ain't over yet. So it's going to be interesting because before the election, I talked to Don about what would happen if he won because I wanted to set something up that if he won, he could come on as governor on the show and talk with us once a month, once every couple of months, and he was receptive to that. And I was like, yeah, kick ass, that'll be great. Well... Just because he didn't win doesn't mean we can't get together and talk. 
every time he comes on, you guys eat it up. You guys love when he's on the show. He brings a lot of great information, a lot of great education. He's energetic. He's funny. And over the last six, seven, eight months, the last three appearances he has had here on the show and meeting him in other areas... I can say I have started to consider him a friend. I believe that we will be friends uh, from this point forward, and I really respect him, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to call him a friend. He's definitely a friend of the show, and I plan to give him an opportunity to be heard whenever he wants to say something, whenever he has something to say. So a couple days ago, we made the plan to get together and... That's what we're going to do. So we're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we will be joined on the phone by none other than Donald Rainwater. You're listening to the 128th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Now we go on the record with a one-on-one interview designed to engage, entertain, or enrage you. Perception is reality. On the record. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We'll go ahead and get right into it. Joining us on the phone is Donald Rainwater, the former libertarian candidate that was running for governor of the state of Indiana. He, of course, is a friend of the show. He's been on uh, three other times. This will be his fourth appearance. Actually, uh, he was just on about a month ago, so this is a pretty quick turnaround time. Obviously, things are a little bit different for him now compared to the other three times that he was on. At that time, he was campaigning and, and selling himself as a candidate to us all. Now he is just one of us with some thoughts and some ideas. So uh, again, Don, welcome to the show. If you could go into detail with us a little bit about what occurred that election night and what your thoughts are on everything, what you've been hearing, and kind of where everything stands uh, right now, a week out from the election. Absolutely. And of course, you know, I'm tempted to make the joke, wait, the election's over? <laughs> um, <laughs> because yes. here again, it certainly doesn't seem to be that way on the federal level, does no, it? Right, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, and, and before I go into this in any detail, let me make sure that everybody understands uh, that I have resign myself to the idea that uh, the results are the results at the state level and it's time to move on. Sure. Uh, With that being said, I will also say that I have received a huge influx of uh, people uh, reaching out and saying, uh, this can't be right. You should have won. Everybody I know was voting for rainwater Nobody I know was voting for Holcomb. This can't be right. Uh, And then a long list, believe it or not, of people uh, sending me information about what they perceive to be voting irregularities uh, that 
of course, you know, we should look into. And the, the unfortunate reality is, is we know that there are um, many flaws in our election system in the state of Indiana. And we'll talk about some of those more here in a few minutes. But uh, nobody uh, in a third party or an independent capacity has the funding to mount a, a demand for a recount or any kind of a legal challenge to uh, any of these counties where folks uh, legitimately saw things happen that should not be happening in a fair uh, election. But it's, it's what we have to deal with. And I believe that as citizens in the state of Indiana, we need to be very aware that this is the system that we have allowed uh, the two old parties to build that allows them to stay in power and uh, fight off any legitimate um, challenge to their power. And the only way we're going to get past that is to beat the system at the system's game. Absolutely. I could not have said that any better. Let me just break it down here and ask you just on the basic level, for folks that are listening to this that are mad at how it turned out, for folks that think that it just doesn't ever matter, that nothing's ever going to change, and Eric Holcomb will be governor for the rest of forever, and or the Democrats will be the governor for the rest of forever, and that no one will ever have a chance that is a good, honest, decent person that's a libertarian or that's an independent that doesn't want to get sucked into the whole game of R and D's, and what do you have to say to the folks that are asking, you know, what can we do to change this so that people like Donald Rainwater can run and have a chance and others can run for city council, state representative, and so on as libertarians or other third parties? Well, I think that first of all, we have to realize that uh, election law is passed by the General Assembly. Yep. And so, as with everything else in a properly balanced, separate but equal branches of government infrastructure, the legislature should be making law, which means that we, the people, should be uh, petitioning. Uh, and I use that word both figuratively and literally, our uh, state representatives and our state senators to fix what's broken. Now, the problem is they have a vested interest in it remaining broken. Sure. And we also have the problem that in Indiana, it appears uh, because the governor has made statements such as um, the legalization of medical marijuana uh, is not on his radar during this legislative session. That leads me to believe 
that the governor is telling the legislature what they can legislate. That is just flat out the problem. Sure. The governor should not be setting the legislative agenda for the Indiana General Assembly. I don't care how many votes he thinks he got. The reality is, is that the citizens of the state of Indiana are represented by the representatives and the state senators in the General Assembly, and the citizens of the state of Indiana should be setting the legislative agenda, not one man uh, who holds the office of governor. So here again, one of the things that we have to do if we want change is that the people who uh, spoke up about uh, business closures, mask mandates, the people, the 344,000 people who voted for rainwater for governor need to keep the pressure on both the governor and the members of the Indiana General Assembly. <laughs> Hell yes. Um, this is not, and, and I'm going to say something that I hope nobody um, is offended when I say this, but this is not my fight. This is our fight. Yeah. This is not something we do uh, looking forward to, well, hopefully we can make uh, changes in 2024. This is what do we have to do in 2021. And so I believe that first and foremost, we need to look at the current legislation, the current statutes that empower government to ignore the people. Yeah. And one of the first things that you look at is gerrymandering. And that actually came up during the debate because gerrymandering allows the political party in power to redraw district lines for state representative and state senator around the idea of intentionally creating a minority of voters in the opposing party. And so there is zero balance in, in how these districts are drawn up. And that creates an imbalance of power. And, you know, I, I don't remember off the top of my head who said it. You'll probably be able to tell me right away. But, you know, the old cliche is power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. That quote would be coming from the Lord Acton, John Dahlberg Acton, first baron. He was a historian and politician in England. And for those that don't know, I mean, this is causing real-world, real-time problems here in Indiana right now. We have a political party in the state of Indiana who has gerrymandered its way into absolute power. And therefore, they no longer have to abide by uh, their particular uh, party planks. They don't have to listen to the people. They can do as they please because they believe that because of not only gerrymandering, but straight ticket voting, 
that the majority of people will walk in, hit a button, keep them in power, and that things will keep going, and they will be able to uh, maintain their Republican oligarchy for as long as they wish to keep it moving forward. Sure. And unfortunately, the longer a group of people like that are allowed to have unfettered power, the less they listen to the voice of the people. (laughs) And so while I understand the concept of voters who say, well, I'm a Republican, uh, I would say that Uh, Whether you think that whether you call yourself a Republican or a Democrat, that you need to look at the fact that what you truly are is a Hoosier who is being ignored. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, if you don't pay dues to your political party, you're really not a member of the party. You're a voter, an independent voter, who chooses to vote that way the majority of the time. Sure. But if you're not donating to them, they really don't care what you think. And I think you're going to see that um, very clearly in the coming months when the uh, leadership of the General Assembly sits down with the governor to have their conversations about curtailing his power and nothing comes from it right. because that's exactly what's going to happen. Sure. Absolutely nothing. And so what we really need to do as citizens is band together as citizens. Yeah. And understand that we have to bring and I, and I'm going to I'm going to say this and and Partially tongue-in-cheek, but I I think everyone will understand we have to bring balance to the force. (laughs) Right, right. Right? You you can't have this this, uh, terrible imbalance and expect government to represent the people. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, and one of the things that the founders were very adamant about was the idea that at the federal level, the reason that they had a House and a Senate and that they were uh, elected two different ways, you know, originally the House of Representatives was elected by uh, the popular vote and the senators were actually appointed by your state legislature. Right. And the idea was was to keep them separated so that they would create more gridlock than change because they didn't want a strong federal government that was in charge of everything and controlled everything and and would constantly be what we see today. And I think we have the same problem at the state level now. When you have a supermajority that doesn't feel like it has any accountability whatsoever to the people, uh, you, you run into these types of problems. 
So that's, I'm hoping that people will say, hey, you know, we need to put a lot of pressure, first of all, on the General Assembly to listen to the people and not the governor. Sure. And secondly, we need to put a lot of pressure on them to fix what's wrong with our election system. And we need to start with gerrymandering and straight ticket voting. And then there are other things that we need to look at, like how we do early voting now and the fact that people can go and early vote and have never heard uh, from any of the candidates other than the incumbent. Right. And that can be a problem. Well, and here again, let me make sure I, I, I'm not saying these things out of sour grapes. Sure. No. And I hope folks know that. Oh, no. I'm saying this because I think we're all going to be feeling sour grapes very soon. Oh, yeah. And, and we need to focus ourselves on how we fix because we, the people, have to fix this. Sure. The government's not going to. Government's not going to fix a system that works for them and screws up. Right. Yeah, they're not going to police themselves. Well, let me ask you this, kind of along the same lines. Back in September of this year, when Indiana Senator Republican Jim Merritt announced that he was retiring from the Senate, there were rumors that were kind of floating around that other Indiana Republicans, state senators and state representatives, couldn't wait for a chance to punish Eric Holcomb if he was, in fact, re-elected. But they were going to be doing it in 2021. And so they would be punishing him in 2021 for actions that he took in 2020 when they set by and did absolutely nothing. Now, I don't buy that for a second, and I think it was just good political talk, and I really don't understand what was going on there. I know that a lot of Republicans left the Republican Party, and I know that you got a lot of support from members of the Indiana General Assembly Republicans but do you hold out any hope for them actually taking him to task for anything that he's done this year? And yeah, that's not going to happen. I just thought that pissed me off really more than anything else because here these people actually could do something about this, but they chose not to all of the while he was doing all of this craziness all year long, and then they want to kind of bump their gums about all of this stuff they're going to do once they're all safe and and the elections are all over. And like you said, that's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. But here's what I think is the biggest problem, that it's us as the voters that won't do anything about this. I think that we need to have longer memories so that when it comes time for the midterm election in two years, well, if they haven't done anything by that point to reel him in and to stop him and to follow through with what they've said to punish him for the craziness this year, then I think we need to send them a message. I mean, I'm pissed off because they didn't do anything this year. I think they should have stepped up to the plate and they should have stopped him from doing what he's been doing. Whatever reason they didn't do it, it was an election year, they were afraid, they were scared, they weren't in session. Whatever the nonsense excuse they want to give, okay, fine. But They did start floating the idea that they were going to send him some messages and punish him in 2021. I don't hold out much hope for that, but we should be watching. And if they don't do that, 
Well, then, by God, we absolutely need to send them a message come the midterm election in 2022. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you another issue that I have with voters, not just here in Indiana, but all over the country, and that is what I believe is a lack of understanding and a lack of education in political processes, in the political systems that are set up, and honestly, just who does what, where, when, why, and how when it comes to various different political offices, I just feel like people really don't have an understanding. I feel like sometimes people want to get active, sometimes people want to get involved, but if they don't really know what's going on and how the parts all interact and 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 what's at stake, I feel like sometimes they're they're mostly just in the way at that point, rather than doing real good work. And it doesn't take a mastermind. It doesn't take somebody that's a genius. It takes a little bit of understanding. It takes a little bit of research. And it takes a little bit of time. And that's it. It doesn't, you don't have to be a genius to, to play the game of politics. You just have to be willing to put in some time and, and even just a small amount of effort, honestly. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. But I feel like this is very important. And, and we're seeing it play out right now in real time on the national level because we've got this issue going on. Nobody knows who the presidential winner is and everybody is just guessing and throwing out various answers and saying things and some people have some factual information and some people over here have other factual information and most people have no factual information but everybody's just blurting something out and saying all of these just absolutely crazy things without having an actual understanding of how all of this works, how the popular vote works, how the electoral college works vote works, how states certify the election results, when the Electoral College meets, when the United States Congress certifies an election, and people are just jumbling up whatever they think, something they heard their neighbors, sisters, brothers, uncle say, and we're having to cut through all of this bullshit on social media, and w with the actual media doing whatever it is, the hell it is that they're doing, along with both of the political parties, we are really in a situation where a lack of education is very detrimental. And if folks could just possibly pause on trying to get information out there quick and fast and just doing it for clicks, whereas if they would just educate themselves, they would be much better off and we would all be better off that is so important to me and that's the, basically the whole reason I do this podcast is to teach people the importance of getting active getting involved but getting educated and I feel like that's the most important part I say that first and foremost above anything else get educated get involved and get active 
that's the three steps that you should take. But the education has to come first, or else you're just kind of in the way. Right. Moving on, let's talk about straight party voting. I've never liked it. I don't know anybody that does. Obviously, someone is, because there you can see the numbers of the people who do straight party voting. But I think it's horrible. Uh, I think that you should uh, get a little bit more educated, as I was just talking about, and have an understanding of everyone on the ballot. And uh, honestly, if you're really being honest with yourself, most people tend to break their vote up, or you should anyways. I would never go in and just vote for everybody because they had an R, or vote for everybody because they had a D, or or vote for everybody just because they were libertarians. I am not someone that does that, and people really shouldn't do that, it, you know, to each their own. But something that I don't think people realize is... When you vote straight ticket, you straight R, straight D, straight L, you are leaving races blank. Anyone that is running in an at-large race for city council or an at-large race for county council, you are not casting votes for them. If you go in and you hit a straight party R and there are Republicans running as at-large candidates they will not get the benefit of your straight party ticket. Absolutely. So that leaves that out. Or judges. And, judges and, is exactly. the other. Yeah, exactly. Where you have a yes or no. Shall yep. we keep, you know, Joe Schmo, the judge? Yep. You, you, don't, you don't get to vote for that because that is skipped. And, and a, an element of the, the straight ticket voting that we've heard a lot about um, since November 3rd is the fact that when you go into a heavily Republican or a heavily Democrat precinct and you go to vote, the people working the polls are walking up to the machines and pushing the button for people and saying, here's the button you need to push if you want to vote straight ticket. And that is unethical. Sure. Plain and simple. I don't care whether you're doing it for me or doing it against me. It's just plain unethical. Um, the, the poll workers should never be touching the machines, uh, the buttons on the machines. They should not be using phrases like, well, if you want to vote straight ticket Republican, just push that button right there. Right. Well, what if I don't? Well, you're, you're on your own. Right. That is unethical. Yeah. And so, obviously, here again, we have ethics issues within our election process, and we all know that. Everybody who's ever gone to vote knows that uh, the, the system is not optimized for equity. Yeah. So, I, I think it's very important that we realize, and here again, you know, we're only we're we're one of only six states that still allow straight ticket voting. And regardless here again, whether the governor chooses to uh look at what other states uh will do and, and again, uh I apologize. I'm gonna take a uh quick swipe here. Oh you're fine. Because the man said during the debates, uh as far as we talk about cannabis, that uh He's not going to look at what other states do to decide what he's going to do. But then he talks about the fact that he's 
collaborating with the surrounding states on uh, how he handles coronavirus. So here again, we have an inequity in his commentary. And the reality is, is that what, what we have to realize is that there are reasons why 44 other states don't do straight ticket voting. Sure. And so these are things that we have to look at and say, you know, what's wrong with this picture? And, and it, it's the same way with campaign finance rules. We have some really underhanded campaign finance rules in Indiana. Uh, there are tons of people who, when they found out that two weeks before the state gave that $20 million a month contract to the testing company out of uh, North Carolina, I believe it was, that uh, the governor had accepted a $50,000 campaign contribution from one of their directors. And uh, people were shocked by that. I'm like, I don't know why you would be shocked. It's perfectly allowable. You have no limit on personal contributions in the state of Indiana. Yeah. So if I have $10 million and I want to fund your campaign and I want uh, access, uh, I can give you a million bucks. And because it came from me and not my company, uh, that's perfectly okay. <laughs> sure. And that same rule applies for an LLC. So if I have a company that's an LLC, then I can give you a million bucks from my LLC. But if I'm a publicly traded corporation, I can't. I don't understand. I don't understand how one is okay and the other isn't. Because the reality is, is either way, um, you're able to purchase access that um, the majority of the 6.7 million Hoosiers can't purchase. And that makes you uh, more uh, accessible to government than the rest of us. And so these are all things we need to fix as citizens. Sure. Um, look how much different things would be if everybody was limited to a thousand dollar donation. <laughs> right. Right. Um, including the incumbent. Yeah. Um, and, and that during, uh, during a period before election day, the incumbent is not allowed to do anything on uh, television or radio that is not paid for by his campaign. Sure, yeah. I mean, these are, these are ways of leveling the playing field. Here again, not for, not for third-party candidates or independent candidates, but for the voters. And, and that is where we need to focus. People need to realize that when somebody can give an unlimited amount of money to a political campaign, they suddenly have a bigger voice in government than the rest of us. It'll be interesting to see the end of the year, end of the campaign election finance reports for all three of you and kind of compare and contrast. I'll definitely do that. That'll be interesting. Um, something that I thought was just absolutely hilarious from the second 
debate was when Eric Holcomb was speaking, and I think it might have been right after the time where he said, Hello, welcome to Indiana, where it's perpetually 1936, and Reefer Madness is playing uptown at the picture show. Right after that, I believe, is when he gave a shout-out to his sugar daddy, Eli Lilly, and I just thought that was hysterical. Uh, yeah. You know. I've started calling him Governor Eric Wholesome Holcomb, and I just think it's I think it's like a an act he plays. I don't really know. It's just very, very interesting. I think he's he's just such an interestingly bizarre character. Um, I don't know. I just I was really hoping that it was going to be you, uh, and I kind of was looking forward to getting those tickets to uh, the inauguration. I was fully. Yeah, I was on hoping that. you would too. <laughs> you, you'll have to have to check with uh, your your buddy Wholesome. Or, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm quite certain I will not be. They'll put maybe they can put me next to Rob Kendall. <laughs> yes. Uh, between yeah, they could put you between me and Rob. Right. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, moving past this 2020 election, looking forward to the future, what do we have to look forward to? We're going to be working with yeah. our Libertarian Party Secretary of State candidate to get them elected, get as many first place finishes in uh, counties as possible. Uh, because we want to get um, we want to get libertarians appointed to county election boards. Sure. Um, because here again, we believe that that is uh, very important uh, toward getting libertarians elected in. Uh, municipal and county elections in 2023. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I you. think we built a tremendous organization oh. around my campaign. Sure. Um, and here again, the reality is, is very little of what we achieved had anything to do with me. It had a lot more to do with the grassroots efforts of all of those people. Yeah. And so my first thought once I was able to take a uh, good look at what we had accomplished, uh, and when you know when they came out and told me that uh, I had finished second in 34 of the yeah. 92 Indiana counties, yeah. my immediate thought was, "Boy, we really need to uh, keep that momentum going towards 2022." Yeah. Because here again, ballot access for a third party and uh, the ability to have a, an actual uh, voice in county election boards, which can go a long way to fixing a lot of these uh, ethical challenges that we have uh, at the county level. Uh, I think that's just very important. And the idea that we were able to get more votes in 34 counties than the Democrat did is indicative of the fact that we have a message that people can relate to. Yeah. And so we need to keep the, you know, it, it, you, you got to keep putting the coal in the stove so that the uh, locomotive keeps pulling the train down the track. Right. We're going to swap out leads. I'm going to use a lot of analogies here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to swap out lead singers for the band, but I'm still going to um, be singing backup. Sure. And I think that there's a lot of a lot of 
potential and a, a lot of value in that. I agree with that 100%. I think you got to keep the train rolling, and I think you got to strike while the iron is hot. You guys are doing some fantastic work, and there is still a lot of boots on the ground, grassroots people that are very interested in what you're doing. And I think this announcement that you're going to be working with the Secretary of State candidate has a lot of people fired up. And then, of course, from there, you guys made a second announcement, like the day after, that I think has a lot of people excited. Tell us about that. Will Henry and I intend to run for governor again as as the Libertarian ticket if the Libertarian Party gives us the nomination in 2024. I love it. I think that's great news, and I hope that the... The supporters of yours will hear that and understand that it's not something that we just say, okay, well, we'll see you back here in four years. We have to keep involved and we have to keep up to date on what's going on and we have to stay educated on the issues and what's happening and we got to keep connected and keep communicating, and that's how we will continue to build this thing so that in four years from now, you're able to roll straight through the two-party system. Don, if I could get you to sit tight one second while I tell these fine folks about the sponsor of today's episode, and that sponsor is Abandon All Hope Tattoo and Body Piercing. You can locate the tattoo shop at 1716 North Wheeling Avenue, Suite 1, Muncie, Indiana, 47303. You can call them on the phone at 765 896 8985 or look them up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash abandon all hope tattoo. Look folks, I'm a tattoo guy. I've got nine different tattoos on my body. The last two I've had done at this shop. Chad Jones is my artist. Look him up. Tell them Christopher Bilbrey from Perception is Reality sent you. See what kind of deal they can work it. They are clean. They are professional. They are reasonably priced. You will not be sorry that you've chosen this tattoo shop. Again, it's Abandon All Hope Tattoo and Body Piercing at 1716 North Wheeling Avenue in Muncie, Indiana. 765-896-8985. Facebook.com forward slash Abandon All Hope Tattoo. Check them out today. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 128th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. My guest today is Mr. Donald Rainwater. He joins us on the phone. And now we're just about out of time, but I do have one final question, and it is like this. In the past, I've talked to the audience about what they need to do if they're interested in finding out information about, say, the Republican Party or the Democrat Party, or what they can do if they're interested in volunteering to work for the party or volunteering to work for a candidate or if they're so inclined, what they need to do if they want to run as a Republican or as a Democrat. So I will pose the same question to you as a Libertarian. If somebody in the audience is interested in volunteering, finding out more information, or maybe running themselves as a Libertarian, where do they need to go and what is that process like? The first thing you do is go to lpin.org 
which is our state party website. And when you go there, you'll notice that there's a volunteer link at the top. And right below that, when you click on the volunteer link, it says run for office. And there's information there about running for office. You can just sign up. Uh, They will get in contact with you. Our political director will contact you and reach out. And, of course, you know, one of the things that we ask is that people join the party, but it, it, you know, a year's membership in the Libertarian Party of the state of Indiana costs $25. Well, that's nothing. Right? Yeah. You pay $25. You uh, make sure that when you look at, you know, uh, the issues of where we stand on certain issues, especially the issues that are going to be important in the race that you want to run. Sure that you feel comfortable saying, I'm a libertarian and here are the things I believe. We'd love to have anybody who says, I want limited government and more individual freedom. And I don't believe that government should be uh, dictating our daily lives. We would love to have you and all of your listeners <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, become right. members of the Libertarian Party and run for office. And if you don't feel like running for office, volunteer to work on a campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fantastic thing for folks to do. Whether or not you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, Independent, whatever, everybody should do a couple different things. And you don't have to do it all the time. Just do it once. Just do it once for the whole experience of it all. I think that you need to... Volunteer for a political campaign on a local level. It doesn't have to be at a state level. It can be. But volunteer to help out a candidate running for office. Volunteer to stand outside of a polling place on an election day, either in May or November, and hand out literature, hand out candy, or just to smile and say, hey, thanks for coming out today. It's fantastic. It's it's fun. Uh And then, beyond that, I think that people should volunteer to work inside the polling places. What people don't realize is those people who are in there are not county government employees. They are all volunteers. Now, I think in the state of Indiana, they might get paid like $100 a day or some kind of stipend like that, or maybe they buy their lunch. It it changes from different place to different place. But they're all volunteers. They take a training, and they're doing the very best they can do, but they're trying to ensure that the process works, and our elections work only because they're willing to do that. And I feel like everybody should do that at least once. I really feel like if you do it once, you'll probably do it more. It's fun. It's exciting. It's anxiety-inducing. It's scary. It's in intimidating and it's it's in my opinion there's nothing like it but i'm a political junkie maybe you guys all think that i'm a freak i don't know but i do think that everybody should volunteer in some way to do something like this at least once just for the experience i I believe so i think we should as a society um the the more we get involved uh, the more uh, ownership, I believe, we will take of uh, our government, and then we can start to try to fix what's 
broken. Couldn't have said it better myself. Don, I want to thank you for coming on and talking to myself and talking to the listeners today. I figure I probably should let you get back to real life. Can I get back to liberty and the pursuit of happiness as defined by me and not them? (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) And as always, you're welcome back here anytime. If there's ever anything that you need to get out, you want to say to the audience, I would love to have you back anytime. Well, and much to my chagrin, and I have a feeling that we will have much to discuss over the next four years. <laughs> absolutely. And that, that'll be fine by me. It's absolutely a pleasure. Matter of fact, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to just set up a standing date for when Donald Rainwater will stop by and grace us with his presence and the words of liberty. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I really do. Very good. And we will talk to you soon. I will absolutely be looking forward to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Donald Rainwater, libertarian, patriot, and all-around good guy. He is the former candidate that ran for governor of the state of Indiana against Eric Holcomb and Dr. Woody Myers in this most recent 2020 election. And he will again be a candidate in the 2024 election as a libertarian. I hope for all of you that you have enjoyed this episode. I hope it has inspired you to get educated, to get active, and to get involved. I hope that you understand that we have to better our government through our citizen involvement. And in the words of Donald Rainwater, we also need better government, not bigger government. For all of us here at Perception is Reality, good morning, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.